We're Not Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. Bang, 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 bang. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast of We're Alive. I am not generally your host, but I'm Nick Voodoo, and Britt is either uh, in L.A. with with Casey and Blair having fun, or she's been kidnapped by a bunch of intelligent simians who have her tied up in a cave. So, since she's not here, I'm in charge this week, along with two guest hosts to help me through, because by goodness golly... You don't want to listen to me talk the whole time. I am only supposed to be taken in small doses. Amen. So with me, I have two of the forum leaders. I have Comrade Narf. Yellow. Hello. And I have... Uh, is it TCM Revolver now, or is it, can I still call you They Call Me Revolver? Nah, you can call me whatever you'd like. I'm going to call you Patches. Patches, welcome to the show as well. <laughs> Hi. Okay, okay, we, we we can call you Revolver. How about that? I like that better. You can just call me Josh. That works. All right, out. well, that's not nearly as much fun as calling you Patches, but we can go with Josh. All right, so uh, let's go through the normal kit and caboodle with uh, guest hosts. So, guys, how long have you been listening? When did you get hooked? Um, who's your favorite character? Stuff like that. And let's start with Josh. Um, I've been listening for, I don't know, I think it would be probably a year and a few months i started i think it was november of 2010 uh i got in right right about when they were starting to get in the colony that that is the strange everyone like that's when i started that's when um uh when uh i think it was nate yes nate uh picked up at the same time it was like all around halloween 2010 is like when a whole bunch of people seemed to find it i think that itunes might have actually advertised uh we're alive and a lot of people got into it then um, no, I don't use iTunes. I'm a, I'm a Zoom guy myself. But Woo. I, the reason I even got into it was because I'm, I'm very big into fantasy football, and the season ended, and so I had no podcast to fill my time, and I kept going through the marketplace, and I kept seeing We're Alive, and I thought to myself, well, I don't really want to listen to it, because there's no way a zombie podcast could not suck. <laughs> And Casey Whalen has bitch slapped you and proved you wrong. Yeah, well, yeah, I, here I sit, uh, you know, I'm a We're Alive junkie just as the, pretty much everybody else is. No, it, it turned out well. I'm pretty happy I clicked that download button the first time. Cool, man. Uh, we'll get back to the fantasy football thing in just a little bit because there's a little needle I want to stick in you. Anyway, uh, Narf, yeah. what about you? When did you get started? Uh, How did you uh, come to us? I'm pretty much uh, started in the same place. I was looking for some podcasts and had one of my coworkers at work uh, asked him if he knew of anything. So he started digging around and says, hey, you need to check out this We're Alive show. So I started listening to it. And once I listened to it, I had to delete almost all of the other podcasts <laughs> I had because in comparison, they were kind of rubbish. Perfect. Um, favorite characters? Um who do you guys like? Who do you hate? Who do you love to hate? Things like that. Um, my favorite character would be Michael. I, I seem to relate to the guy. Uh, Datu's coming in a close second. Now, I don't want to hear anything about that. King Datu the Resourceful. You won't hear crap about it because he was he was my dark horse for the uh, 
for the rat, as many people know by now, and I know by now that I've eaten a ton of crow because of it. Yeah, he he's all right in my book. Um, characters I don't like. I don't know that there's really I none that I don't like. It's everybody's so well written. You just have to respect that aspect of it. Totally agree. Absolutely. Hey, Narf, what about you? Uh, I'm still gonna have to go with Angel. So Angel. I- I don't like oh, him because he's an awesome yeah. character. I like him because he's a flawed character. So he's a little more interesting, uh, a little more, I don't know, maybe aloof at times. So it, it's kind of been interesting to see him grow, and, you know, I hope we get to see him soon. I, I, I'm going to admit, as much as I rag on Angel, specifically Wraith and Angel, um, it was really, it, it was so nice to hear him again. Uh, the previous episode where he, it was the flashback to chapter 11, you hear the vote. It was like, man, you know what? I really do miss, I miss hearing uh, Shane Salk and I miss hearing Scott Marvin. I miss hearing their voices. And yeah. I didn't think I would honestly say that, especially about Angel, just because I have my irrational hatred thereof, which, whatever. But you've, yeah. I was surprised that I was like, wow, this is, I feel warm and fuzzy because of hearing their voices. So what about your favorite episodes? You guys have a specific favorite one? Are they all your favorites? Uh, are you going to kiss cases, ask that much about it? Or do you have like one specific one that sticks out to you? I don't know that uh, I'm going to kiss anybody's ass, but um, the arena was, was one of my favorites. Uh, I know it's, it's a lot of people, myself included, think it's a really hard episode to listen to it's a really hard chapter and and that's why i like it is because it is an audio format but it it tugs at your heartstrings so vehemently that you feel so bad for datu and want him to escape so badly but we know that it he does escape just not with the happy ending and i just i really respect that that is such a neat way that he captured that. I was so impressed. Yeah, when we were, when Datsu like, just goes apeshit and starts pounding the crap out of the uh, zombie that was left behind, man, I was, uh, I think that I almost broke a tooth because I was gritting my teeth so hard. It was like, yeah, get him! Get him! Yeah! Pump! <laughs> Do it! And that was probably really loud, and I apologize to everyone. Uh, Narf, favorite episode, do you have one? Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, Angel and Kalani take down the behemoth. So I like th- the pacing was good, and I always like a little bit of action and adventure. So You just like the Jesus, Mary, and whatever the hell. I don't know. It's been so long since I've been oh, in Catholic yeah. school. Yeah, that was a great line. Because that's probably one of the greatest lines uh I think that might have ever been written in the show. All right, well, cool. So that is your introduction to the We're Alive, uh, we're, I'm sorry, the We're Not Dead uh, fan base. So let's go ahead and get to the episode, uh, which is 28-2, uh, Last Dying Breath. I'm, I'm what? I don't know. It stops there. He didn't finish it. How are we supposed to react to this? I have no idea. I saw him writing at LAX, but I didn't think anything of it at the time. Alright, the episode begins where we left off with Kalani's journal stopping mid-sentence. This leaves the tower survivors in the lurch. Kelly wants to know how they should read it, uh, should react, but Michael doesn't know. Peg says she saw Kalani writing at LAX, but didn't think anything of it. Kalani wonders... Or Kalani. Kelly, Kalani wonders nothing because he's dead. Kelly wonders when Kalani could have put his journal in Bill's desk, and Michael guesses it must have been after the hospital mission. King Datsu gets it all butthurt because Kalani betrayed them and wishes that Kalani 
Johnny was still around so that uh, he would most likely be able to bitch slap him and or cry on him. Uh, Michael points out there's no way that they, uh, they'd know if Kalani hadn't told them where to find the journal. Uh, Tanya wonders if it was definitely Kalani's writing. Peg says it's most likely him, and Datu says only Kalani knew some of the details from the motor pool after Pippin's murder. Kelly wonders why he sacrificed himself since no one knew he'd done it. Michael finally, uh, caught up with the rest of, uh, the world that listens to We're Alive and realizes that Hannah was most likely the girl shot in the exchange at the golf course, and we finally learn, uh, Kalani hears about what happened at the golf course, uh, when the group gets to the chopper. Uh, Michael says Kalani seemed upset, but Michael thought it was because they were set up and not because of the girl that was killed. But because the the Maulers no longer had a use for Hannah, they must have found one. You think I should tell Hope about any of this? No, I wouldn't. What would you benefit from it? Yeah, I guess you're right. Can you even imagine what he went through? Oh, come on. He sold us out from day one. We'd still have a lot of people alive if it weren't for him. Tanya wants to look through the journal again and wonders if they should tell Hope. Michael says no, and Tanya agrees. The group assesses and plays a what-if game regarding Kalani. Kelly thinks there'd be more people alive. Tanya says there wouldn't be. they wouldn't be at the fort. Peg says she wouldn't have shot... dot dot dot... him. Michael thinks the Maulers would have attacked, probably, anyhow. Michael says there's nothing they can change, nothing can change what happened, and they should move forward. Datu says he won't be able to forget what Kalani did. Kelly is still bitter, especially about Tommy. But Michael brings them back to the here and now and points out their situation is the same as it was before they read the journal. Now they just know that Kalani was the one responsible. Datu whines, surprising, wishing that things were back to normal like before. Michael says they could, uh, they could be close to the end and they just don't know it yet. Kelly doubts that. Decent? Oh, finally. Yeah, we're down here. I cannot wait to get out of these things. And maybe we can get some answers finally. They get a knock at the door and the, you get a y'all decent, which I thought was kind of funny because what else are they going to do? Are they having an orgy in there? Weird. Um, some guy who isn't identified comes in saying uh, Puck sent him. Michael asks uh, how... Was that possibly Carl? You know, I don't know, to be perfectly honest. It could very well have been Carl, but I didn't go back to listen to the episode, so I just kept calling him the Unknown Soldier and or G.I. Joe in my recap because I really wasn't sure. Um, do you know anyone? I thought he might be Carl because he's the only other soldier we've had named thus far, right? Yeah, he is, and that would make perfect sense, but I didn't recognize the voice, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because... At this point, there's a lot of voices to be able to recognize, and I might have just missed it. So, maybe it's Carl, maybe it's someone else we haven't met yet. I'm probably guessing it's someone we haven't met yet because... Or, someone... I'm sorry. It probably is Carl, because I don't remember seeing a new wiki page pop up on the forum this ah, week. Yeah. So, maybe it is Carl, and I just missed it. So, I'm going to keep calling him G.I. Joe, because it's funnier. Um, some guy who isn't identified, <coughs> Carl... Uh, shows up and says that Puck sent him. You got news on Riley? She's okay, but they're holding her at weed for a while. Holding her? Michael asks how Riley is, and she told and is told that she's okay and is being held at the weed. Tanya wants to know why and is told it's just to make sure she's okay and that they tend to be cautious around here, which is what brings the unnamed soldier to why he's here. I think just to make sure she's okay. They tend to be really cautious. Well, that's good, right? Which is why I'm here. Oh? Yeah, they need to do physicals on everyone else. Make sure everyone's okay. Physical. They all need physicals. Excuse me. Had to burp. But I'm nice and I mute, unlike Brit. 
the pig. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, people always want to know what's going on in the gastrointestinal (laughs) tract. That's why Britt told everyone that she ate a burrito the size of her forearm last week. Um, Anyway, Michael wants... And and wanted Twinkie Chasers. Who doesn't want a Twinkie Chaser? Come on. Twinkie Chaser. Uh, Right here. You are un-American. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Um, And, you know, they're going to be the only thing that survived the zombie apocalypse as well. So... Learn to love your Twinkies. Uh, where were we? Michael wants uh, answers, and G.I. Joe says he can't give them answers, and they're waiting to hear back from the colonel, but he wouldn't meet with them without the physical anyway. Tanya begins to try to wriggle out of the exam. She says she's medical personnel and everyone here is okay. I don't need someone all over me. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll go with you if you want. Is that okay? Can she do that? Yeah, that's fine. It'd be better if you went in pairs anyways. Well, there you go. No. What? No, I'm not going. It's not a big deal. No, I'm not going. Why? What's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. We got a problem in the holdover barracks. No, we don't have a problem. Tanya, calm down. Don't miss me. Tanya, it's okay. No, it's not okay. They are not taking me anywhere. Where? She ran down the hall. They propose going in groups to ease Tanya's mind. Uh, G.I. Joe says that's fine and says also says that there are female nurses if that's the issue. That's obviously not the issue as Tanya runs away and is captured by the military and taken to the weed. Dun, 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 dun. And then we travel to L.A. And back in L.A., Victor, and C- uh, Victor Saul and C.J. are watching the footage of the attack on the tower. It's hard to stomach and Victor makes her turn it off. Turn it off. I've had enough. I warned you. But now, you know everything I do. They agree that Kalani's actions are odd given the circumstances. They start talking about the one with the markings and exchange info. Saul talks about the events of Chapter 11 and their interactions with the one with the markings. And he thinks that he must have had a Kevlar vest on because he was shot in the chest, played dead, and then ran away. Victor says, don't look at him because there were none of those things where he lived. CJ becomes immediately interested in where Victor was from. There wasn't none of those kinds of things near where I lived. And where's that? Uh, He says down south with a place run by assholes. She asks Saul what types he has seen. He lists off all those that he's encountered, including the little ones Lizzie described on the tape that he found at the arena. She asks Victor again, and... Uh, and at most, he saw the clever ones while he was at the colony, but nothing like anything that Saul described, like the behemoths. CJ proceeds to hem and haw for a very long time until Saul verbally bitch slaps her out of it. CJ asks how long will their supplies last, and Saul says long enough. CJ says they won't be able to scrounge enough to survive and have no leads on Lizzie. CJ subtly offers her place to stay, but there's a catch. She says she'll get right to it. There aren't any special ones down south, but there are in L.A., which means there's something different up here than there is down there, and she figures it's right here. By right here, she points at a map and annoyingly refuses to say aloud where she's pointed to. But we all know she's talking about Ground Zero. Then the haggling begins for Saul and Victor to venture into Ground Zero. Saul, the ever-chivalrous diplomat, tells her to do it herself. Victor pulls Saul aside and basically says, Shut the fuck up, bro. I got this. Victor's offer is a permanent residency. CJ's response is, Get the fuck out, bro. Saul uh, Saul counters with, She was happy that they followed her, to which she says, I tried to shoot you. Saul thinks she needs them because she's been alone, and Saul breaks out the Vicky nickname, and Victor is more than just a little bit peeved. The negotiations end with CJ agreeing to some terms, but they aren't actually all that well-defined. It's presumed that if they succeed, Saul and Victor will be allowed to stay. They'll leave at 8 o'clock in the morning, and CJ locks them into a bedroom for the night. 
The next day, at 8 a.m., CJ drives them to a place that is apparently not near Inglewood. CJ has packed all their gear for them, including scuba gear and extra ammo for their M16s. She stops, and the guys get prepped. Several blocks out from the apartment building, she took our blindfolds off. Apparently, she had already took the liberty of packing up a bunch of stuff for us. The back seats were loaded with equipment. What the hell is all that? You'll need it. There's a few extra magazines for your M16s. Are you crazy? You had all this? You two ever scuba dive before? No. I hate the ocean. Why? You'll see. We're almost there. We're nowhere near Inglewood. Saul asks if she expects them to wear scuba gear, to which she replies, no, she liked giving the gear a tour of the city. Saul gets to wear a blue tank. Victor gets to wear the yellow tank. Victor asks what did she expect them to find. CJ says she isn't sure, but even if they find nothing, that's still something. She gives them a camera to take pictures and says if they don't, or if the, cam if the camera breaks, they'll have to go back in and do this all over again. Victor bitches about the weight and wonders how normal people can carry all this stuff, and Saul reminds him it's lighter in water, dumbass. How can normal people deal with this load? It's heavy. It's lighter in the water, dumbass. Oh yeah, I knew that. CJ tells him they have 40 to 50 minutes before the tanks run out, and she says she'll be watching from a nearby safe house. If they make it back alive, they get to come back to the other tower to stay. She leaves Saul and Victor as Saul and Victor turn their tanks on and drive into ground zero. I'll start the clock. And see. Ominous music. Dun, 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 dun. So, what'd you guys think? Did you do that all in one breath? Yeah, here's the thing. Um, I don't do the recaps, and this time I actually had the... Uh, unlike, oh, okay, that's not true. I did the recap last week, and that was on the spur of the moment, because I sincerely had no idea I was going to have to do that at all, uh, until I got on Skype and was like, oh, oh, I have to do this. I was really planning on relying on Brittany this time. Um, so I had lots of time to prepare for this, and I don't do recaps. So if this went too fast, um, you should have listened to the episode beforehand because this is an analysis podcast about the show. So um, you really shouldn't listen to me because I'm not nearly as talented as the actors that act it. And that response took one breath, too. <laughs> no. I was I'm giving not, you, I was giving you a compliment. Don't, don't get all mad. Come on. It's actually impressive. This is what happens when you quit smoking, kids. You gain your lung capacity back. Let that be a lesson to you. Quit smoking. Uh, so anyway, what do you guys think of the episode? It's nice to actually be going, as much as I liked everything with Kalani, uh, it's nice to be moving forward again. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I have to, that was that's my sentiment exactly. Um, I, I did like the backstory, but we need to really progress with the story because this whole thing of what's been going on with Michael and for um, Saul is just been driving me nuts. These last two segments. Uh, all right. So we're all happy. We're moving forward. That's a bonus. That's definitely a good thing. Cause that means we're going to get less answers and more questions, or maybe we get a little more questions and more, more questions and more questions. Cause Casey's evil. Who knows? Now that, that's the big question I have, too, with uh, Kalani being interrupted. Is that actually going to come back to play that he truly was about to reveal one last thing? That's, that's a hard, it'd be so hard to figure out how you can reincorporate Kalani into the story now. 
because it was already going to be yeah. hard enough now that he killed him now that he sacrificed himself to figure out how he gets back in the story without the journal now the journal's over you know how how else is it even conceivable to to bring him back in the story what do you guys think is there is there another way is there another journal entry or maybe a communication between him and the maulers that comes to light or no i don't think so i i think his i think his story is done um Casey being the devious monster that he has left that that op- that <laughs> open ended like he did simply for the fact to let your brain work at it. Was he writing I'm sorry? Was he writing I'm a big Bob Saget fan? Well, you know, it can go any way. That that goes without saying because everyone is a big Bob Saget fan. So regardless, it's true, yeah. uh, <laughs> so I mean that's I, we're done. Aside from him. Uh, respawning like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in Return of the Jedi, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably true. I don't think that he comes back. The only thing I think that might, air quotes, bring Kalani back would be if the theory that Hannah actually wasn't the redhead that shot. But then again, we've already heard the entire backstory, so it's hard to say how he is reincorporated into the show ever. Who knows? It's it's hard to say. Um, and what do you guys think about Tanya? There's so much speculation. Is she infected? Is she immune? Where was she injured? When was she injured? How long is she being injured? Uh, what do you guys think about that? Initially, my first thought was that maybe she knew something about Forder when it was wrong. But she she always said that she didn't want to go, not that you guys shouldn't let them do this. So it's definitely something that she's got. Uh, I was wondering if maybe, you know, where Saul is her kid, uh, maybe she was doing some sort of uh, blood transfusion with him. Who knows? Yeah, the, the someone else said uh, on the forum, and I apologize, I didn't write this one into my notes. It was really, really uh, recent. We're recording this around 11 o'clock on Wednesday night. Um, someone on the forum said that uh, maybe she was trying to protect Hope, but none of the stuff that she said, oh, it was in the... Um, chat box in the forum at uh, zombiepodcast.com slash forum. We have a chat box. You can interact live with everyone that is a forum member. Go to it. It's fun to do and good for you. Uh, Someone had posted in the spoiler version of the chat box that uh, maybe this was all about hope. But again, the same thing that you were saying, uh, Narf, is um, it was all very me-centric. It's, I'm not going. I don't want anyone all up on me. I don't want people to touch me. Me, me, I, I, I. So I think that it's definitely has to do with Tanya. It's not anyone else. She's not trying to protect anyone. She's trying to protect he, her, she, herself, and I. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking, too. When I first heard it, I attributed it to almost something like PTSD uh, simply because of what she had to go through at the colony. You know, you're, you're locked up. You, you're told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. If you don't do it, we're going to take you out and shoot you. And it all kind of starts the same way, because when she first got to the colony, we had our dear friend Gatekeeper give everybody an exam and a physical. Here we are. Truth. Um, I'm not sure that I necessarily put that connection together, because... Because I'm smarter than you? um, Yeah, no, (laughs) about that, you're just not... Nah, who, who knows? Uh, you, you, you're, you're a pretty smart cookie. I, I think I can let that one slide. No, um, the, the reason I say that I wasn't uh, sure about it is simply because she wasn't involved in those. It was mainly Gatekeeper. Yes, yeah, she would know what goes on, and she may have made the same connection to um, what was happening at the colony to what might happen at Fort Irwin. But then it begs the question, why is she so afraid to be inspected? 
Cause now there's no, oh go no, ahead. No, because maybe she has a scratch on her arm or something. I mean, you know, she did get drug out by Randy. Um, mm-hmm. There, she could be banged up. She could have something that a medical professional could be construed as a bite or a scratch. And it, it, you know, it, it could be completely harmless. We all we all heard what happened with when they tried to smuggle that kid into the colony. They took him out and executed him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd get pretty upset too if I knew that that was a possibility. Yeah. Now, do you guys think it is that original injury that Michael noticed uh, when he first got to the colony, the one that's on her arm, or do you think it has something to do with um, something that she may have sustained from Randy? Because remember, she got injured enough that they tied her up into a bed, and then they let her go with really no explanation. Like they tied her to the bed in chapter twenty-three, I think it was uh, after Randy after the Randy incident, and then there was all this debate on the forum: what's going to happen to to Tanya because she's tied up to the bed, and and then all of a sudden she's just on the other rooftop, with like no explanation as to how she got there or why they released her. Um, so, which injury do you think might be the one that she is more afraid of, if that's the reason? I think I'm going to go with the arm injury. That uh, that seems the most suspicious out of everything. Yeah, it, it 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 was mentioned and then went right away, and we haven't mentioned it in oh, say, uh, what now? Almost ten chapters. So, that's that's right around the time that Casey starts bringing crap back. It's in that ten chapter cycle. Like we learned about hope in chapter eleven, and we learn about hope again in like chapter twenty. So, every eight nine chapters, if something gets dropped, you hear about it again eventually. So maybe it is the arm coming back. Revolver. You have a thought other than PTSD? No, that's kind of what I think. What I think is going on. I mean, that's okay. that's just a, a horrible situation to have been in. Um, knowing that in any minute, if somebody doesn't like you, they can shoot you. If they don't like what they see, they can take you out and execute you. And there's there's no way that somebody that's not you know, it's, it's like as far as our military, I think they're trained to learn to help try and cope with this the best they can. But for a civilian to re- to be in that situation where you know at any moment if you do something that you don't like or that they don't like, you're you're dead meat. That's a lot of pressure to have to go through every single day. And I don't I don't recall how long she said she was there if she even said she was there or how if she said how long she was there. She could have been there potentially from the very beginning of the outbreak by the time it got down there. So that would be whatever, May 9th, um, to just before the end of July. So two, three months. Yeah, that's a long time to be watching your back. Yeah. Now, Nick, do you have paperwork you're looking at to, to calculate these? Is this all from the top of your nose? Um, uh, if Britt was here, she would be giving me crap for it, but this is all off the top of my head right now. That's actually pretty impressive. So. Uh, I will readily admit that I have committed about way too much brain power to wear live <laughs> and the memory of thereof. And I was actually re- there was um, a thread that was on the forum this week that was about um, the blood being washed away and all this other sort of stuff. And I actually remembered something very incorrectly, and I was very mad at myself that I got called out for it and was very wrong about um, the rainstorm mm-hmm. that the other to- the other tower's co- uh, convoy got attacked in. I forgot they were in the rain. So, bad on me. Um, okay. So, have you forgiven yourself yet? Um, no, I actually have not had a chance to uh, go through the um, mea culpa whipping that I have to do on my mm-hmm. knees uh, in front of a cross. Once I do that... And the Twinkie of Forgiveness. Uh, once I eat the Twinkie of Forgiveness, uh, the, the 
the the body of what the hell what what's that little thing's name with the lasso? Twink. I don't even know. Oh yeah, Twinkie the kid. Twinkie, Twinkie the kid. The kid. Well, I'll have to say uh, Hail Marys to Twinkie the kid and um, <laughs> uh, consume uh, of his flesh, and I will be forgiven. Mm. Wow. Um, better that than the uh, Frito Bandito. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think either one is necessarily healthier for you than the other, but that's okay. <laughs> I think that either way, if you eat enough of them, you'll um, probably keel over and die. Um, Dude, if you're praying to Twinkie the Kid, the health is the last of your concerns. <laughs> it is as viable a religion as anything else, um, except it's not. So, <laughs> now that we've sidetracked on to Twinkies, um, and I much prefer uh, Hostess Cupcakes, let's uh, talk about those. No. Um, let's, what about um, the, the, the arrangement with uh, Saul, Victor, and CJ? What do you guys think of the way that that uh, panned out? I have to jump back really quick before we move on. Oh, sure. On. Go ahead. First off, I wanted to say, uh, regarding the whole thing with Kalani, once again, hope's left in the dark. Uh, uh, no pun intended. No, I think it was intended. That was the point. I think that's why we heard the knocking. Uh, <sighs> the other thing, too, I, I'm curious is if, uh, like what Revolver said, that this is uh, a post-traumatic stress thing with, uh, uh, with Tanya, with how pissed off and just furious Datu is I think if it comes across that the uh, the soldiers are more in a position to hurt Tanya than anything I'm kind of wondering what he's gonna do now he's he's really starting to become unhinged in my opinion uh, man I'm not sh- I'm not sure unhinged would be the right word for Datu because yeah, he actually would be the correct word for Datu in this episode <laughs> okay but let, let's tone it down on the bitchy Datu. I, I say that after I called him, what, whiny, bitchy, um, all, <laughs> yeah. may cry on may them. May cry on them and bitch slap and um, <laughs> gets butt hurt. And, okay, so maybe I'm just as guilty. I think that Datu is such a trusting individual that when he gets betrayed or, or someone like uh, Bert with the maintenance man crack that he took at him, you know, stand down, maintenance man. You know, that really, like, when he gets genuinely hurt, he just, like, loses his mind slightly, but he's never gone to the point that he actually does anything that's, like, out of the ordinary for Datu. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't completely lose control. He gets really cranky and pissy and mad, yeah. but he never does anything that's, like, really far outside of the realm of reality. He just stays hurt and works his way through it. You know what I mean? And maybe he's I, I, working I, to that. What you're saying. Yeah, I'm curious if that is coming, because, I mean, compared to some of the other people, the world is really singling out and shitting all over Datu. Yeah. But that's why he's King Datu, the fucking resourceful. Is he that's always true. finds a way out. So, uh, alright, uh, anything else for Erwin related before we move on? To uh, I can't think of anything. I mean, it's all, it's all pretty much straightforward. Kelly is still cranky. Although... Uh, Hell yeah, she has every freaking right to be. Yeah, uh, think of all the people that are sitting in that room, maybe aside from Pegs, because, you know, Pegs is carrying the weight of, you know, latch on her shoulders. Uh, Kelly's got the really the most reason to be pissed for the way that Kalani's betrayal sort of shook out, because, yeah, as much as she hated, well, not, maybe hates too strong a word, but as much as she was, disliked having Tommy around, it's still blood, you know, and we're always talking, we've been talking about how, you know, 
Kalani and Hannah, the blood, do whatever you can for your for your family. Tommy's still family, and no matter how annoying he was, he's still family. So she's got a really a right to be pissed. Yeah. Well, that and her being called an easy lay. That's that's never a good thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's zombie apocalypse or not, you still well, don't want to be known as true, a slut. True or not, but she basically said it herself on the way into into the uh, the barracks. Is hey, maybe we can finally get laid. She she. Well, it's on everybody's mind, but you still. I mean, well, uh, I think it, still it, there's a difference between hooking up and sleeping with the enemy. Yeah. So. Okay. That's true. Yeah. True. 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 All right. So obviously we have this new this new budding uh, twosome threesome thing that's happening in uh, L.A. Not in the dirty way. Before we go there, um, so what do you guys think? Is this a, a relationship that can last? Is it going to move forward? Um, I know that we're probably projecting really far ahead because we still have to get uh, to and from Ground Zero. Uh, but do you think that's something that? Um, may happen do you think cj will accept them back in after they come back if they come back or is this something that she is using them to get what she wants and then she's going to kick them out or like run away and not be there when they get back or what do you guys think no i don't i don't think she is uh devious i i I think she has good intentions i mean why would she sit there and explain her side of kalani to these guys if she was just going to send them to the wolves why you know why waste your time? Um, I think they if they complete the mission successfully, I think she'll she'll let them back in. And I think uh, all in all, I mean I'm going way out here, but I think eventually Victor and Saul are going to meet back up with some other people from the tower, and CJ's just going to basically be incorporated with. Them. Yeah, I think she, she survives that long. I can see that definitely happening. Um, Nerf. Hey. I, I think, yeah, ultimately, I think Saul did nail it on the head that as much as she hates to admit it, it's nice having people around. Uh, my one concern with her is she still seems a little unstable, and uh, didn't Sean mention that she had a breakdown at one point when she was trying to lead the tower before? I think so, yeah. So there there may still be a little bit of that. So and And I think she's still guarded. She doesn't necessarily want to establish more relationships and fear that she will lose people again the thing with cj at least for me again i uh, I, she is an excellent planner we we all know she's an excellent planner uh but her execution is really poor the thing that i actually posted this on the forum in one of the in, in the discussion thread was this is actually a well thought out plan and the execution of it is actually really really good because she's going to get the information that she wants out of saul and victor Regardless, and if she happens to not get the information she wants out of them, and they die going into Ground Zero, oh well, she's sacrificing people she barely knows who tried to choke her the fuck out when they first met. So, okay. That's kind of okay with her, I would think. Um, yeah. I agree that she probably, like, at first, no, she wanted to shoot Saul in the face. And I don't think that Saul saying, oh, well, but you didn't. Dude, the only reason that you're alive is because Victor knocked the gun out, knocked the gun at the moment she shot. Um, So that part doesn't fly with me. Now, since that point, yes, of course, I think that she, she has grown to be like, Oh wow, this is, I I have missed talking to people. Yeah. You know, this, and I'm going to relate this back to, you know, baby, whatever, because I just had one. Um, When, when you're like stuck and you're dealing with baby forever and forever and forever, it's like the classic joke of, 
Oh, I haven't talked to a real human being in two and a half weeks. <laughs> I haven't. Oh my God, a real person to talk to that isn't a baby. <laughs> I don't have to coo at you, and you will understand my words. Um, that sort of stuff. So I think I think she may have hit that point, except not that crazy, close to that crazy, yeah. but not that crazy. And, and I think that's helped too, because you're right that you know certainly when they first met, it was not a good interaction like Saul grabs her and throws her in the back of the truck she probably figured she was done for but when they actually got there and then especially Saul and Victor and their relationship and their little banter and bickering back and forth you've got to feel fairly safe around those two not to mention there's the common bonding point of Kalani like yeah hey how do you know how do you know Fatso and then they have a, at least common ground to build a relationship off of. And then also the one with the markings as well. Another building point. Well, and, and you've, you've got, you know, she seems like she's pretty smart. She's kind of she's kind of oh, got yeah. her shit together. She's going to realize that three people are better than one, hands down, when it comes to scavenging, when it comes to taking watch, whatever. One person, there's no way one person can do it all. She, she has to know that. If these guys turn out to be halfway decent, I can keep them around. It's going to lighten my workload because they can assist us, assist me in this. Totally, of stuff. definitely. Um, and that is probably something that, like, I know she feels confident in her defenses because she said so, said as much in this episode that you know most things can't get in here. Uh, it's got to be still a little bit, you know, sleep with one eye open that. Oh man, something could actually still get in here, and now she has people to rely on, which she may not still be willing to do quite yet, and she seems very hesitant to do that, but she's getting closer to being okay with it. Uh, you guys have anything else, uh, Saul Victor related before we start moving into forum posts? Uh, just that, uh, loved the, uh, the comment about the, uh, the scuba gear being so heavy, and then the, uh, <laughs> similar banter with the, uh, you know, how do we see with the, with, or how do we sight the, the guns with the mask? mask. Of course, because everyone knows you flip the rear sight. Um, <laughs> I'm with Victor on that one. I would not have known to do that because I don't own guns. Um, but I just I love the flippant attitude that Saul has with him. And Vicky, hello. That's hilarious. Because you know he hates being called Vicky or Vic. or Because of the nature in which the uh, recap of last week's episode went, um, we, we did miss the greatest line, I think, that may have ever been written in We're Alive history. Who are you going to call? Oh, yes. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Because you know and what? Even <laughs> after the world is over, that it, the, as soon as I heard who you're going to call, I was like, oh, please. Oh, please. Please. And then it happened. Yeah. I was like, ah, I feel satisfied now. I mean, how many people just immediately blurted that line out while they were listening to it? I, I know I certainly did. I think uh, some of my other friends did as well. I, de- I, I will definitely cop to that as, as well. Yeah, I'll jo- I'll join your little club. I I said it instinctively. I, I I'm gonna say that there's probably only a grand total of the, the probably the 13 year olds that have that are listening to the show. Uh, they may be the ones that did not actually say that because they may just not know it. Who knows? And, and to them, I would have to say uh, that movie that they kept talking about in Zombieland. You really need to go back and see it. Yes, definitely. All right. So some forum posts, um, and these are basically taken in chronological order, so there, there's a semblance of some kind of order to this, and then there's really not all at the same time. Um, Bray uh, says, another cracking episode, I wonder who's British. 
Uh, Brady definitely is. He says so in his profile. Uh, I think the reason Tanya was freaking out is that she has been bitten or infected in some way. Uh, when, I'm not sure. Uh, perhaps recently, perhaps ages ago, but she's immune to it. And fearing that people will freak out or kill her or at least kick her out uh, because she hasn't told anyone. This will be discovered in the medic uh, medical exam, so she decided to become a runner. Seems like the only logical theory. Flashback to the colony. I don't think so. Seems f uh, far too... Uh, uh, much of a reaction. She only started freaking out when it was made clear she was going to be physically checked out. She didn't mind being kept in the barracks, I assume, under lock and key for the time being. So, uh, we didn't really touch on the, the, the Saltania immune theory. Uh, do you guys think that holds any water? Do you think that the family is immune? I'm not I'm... buying it. It's just, I don't know. It seems, it, I'm not, I can't say it's far-fetched. I mean, I'm sure we've all seen what was that, I Am Legend, and there are certain, in that genre there were certain people that mm -hmm. couldn't be infected but it just it seems like such bs to me that it it wouldn't get written into the story because it's oh these guys are infected oh well hell let's just go out and do whatever the hell we want to if this one bites me i'm just gonna shoot him because i'll be fine no yeah come on now there has to be a way to um to there has to be repercussions for everyone you know what I mean? Like, there has to be that sort of stuff. Who is clicking on their keyboard? Uh, not me. Uh, not me, dude, so it has to be you. That's funny, because I'm not doing anything. Uh, <laughs> weird. Okay. Um, odd. Adrian HD says, I'm going to miss the whole Kalani backstory. The, that's been hands down my favorite part of the series so far. Uh, I thought that the whole Tanya freaking out came from when she was attacked uh, before uh, on the tower. Uh, it happened, and then it was dropped pretty quickly. I figured it was a good chance uh, at being brought back up. So, again... Uh, we think that more people thinking it has to do with um, Tanya, although, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who who knows what Casey has in his mind? Um, Evie Bay, which is previously known as Eva Bay until recently she put in her profile that uh, we've been saying her name wrong on this uh, podcast for a very, very long time. <laughs> Safe house. <laughs> How am I supposed to know? That's all I have to say. It, it, it's spelled E-V-I-B-A-E. Eva Bay. If you got a if you if you have a hard to pronounce name, spell it phonetically for the rest of us. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank yeah. Or change your username to Twinkie. Yes. <laughs> I promise you, uh, when this comes out Friday afternoon, there's going to be a rush on the name Twinkie uh, at the forum <laughs> at zombiepodcast.com slash forum. Uh, Evie Bay says, safe house, camera backup if they fail. I love it. CJ's learning to factor catastrophic failure into her plans. I bet she's recording what they say between each other, too. Maybe she's layered on some equipment to detect various uh, fields and gases. I wonder if there's a uh, destruct device to avoid their having to suffer if they're about to die. Um, not so sure. I can dig it. You know, the thing of it is, is she, she, Saul said, what's all this other equipment? She goes, well, don't worry about that. You know, how do we know there's not uh, a Geiger counter that's taking measurements as far as radiation is concerned? How do you know that there isn't uh, a transmitter that is relaying? I mean, she's a smart, she's a smart woman. She knows what's going on. So, I mean, she could be monitoring these guys, you know, it's the same as you sending a, a hamster into a maze. You sit there and you watch them. She could be watching these guys monitoring heart rates, all this stuff, just to see what going into this area could do to a person. It's true. Uh, that's that's a good point, and uh, it could be too, because she's she seems to be fairly sneaky and stealthy. So she could have an idea what's in there and uh, be using Victor and Saul as decoys. And also remember, there, Kalani said that there was some like weird, like whatever next level shit that were that was brought back from Ground Zero. So she already knows some stuff that's there. We don't know what that stuff yeah. is, but you know, Kalani knew it existed at least. 
So she's definitely got to know what it is by now. Um, although the weird thing, and uh, I'm not sure if this was pointed. I, I know I said it in the chapter discussion because I wanted to bring it back up. Um, was they're not near Inglewood, which is where Victor and Pegs got themselves all turned around as they were near Inglewood. And it's pointed out that they are somewhere else, nowhere near Inglewood. So that's also very weird to me that she chose that spot. So it's like Ground Zero Beta versus Ground Zero Alpha. Like we know it emanated from Englewood by the map that we all see have seen on the uh, forum. Uh, I wonder where they are because it's not the same spot. Well, that you know, I, I noticed that too. But we don't know how far the effects from Ground Zero emanate. I mean, yeah. let, let's assume that it's it is in one area. It would you know have a ripple effect, and how do you know that this, this doesn't stretch? Ten miles. That's true. They, they could be completely north of where Pegs and Victor were, and obviously, if you're ten miles away from something, you say, "Well, we're nowhere near Inglewood," which, in reality, you're right. But you're, you still could be heading to that same area. Uh, now, the other one too with that, uh, I didn't catch it when I listened to it on my home headphones, but when I was listening to it at work. I thought while they were setting up the the scuba gear and that, I thought I heard some water in the background. I have no idea. I didn't hear it. I I could be crazy. We'll have to leave that one up to the forum as to whether I'm insane or not. All right, you're both set. Go ahead and head out. I'll meet you back here. Where are you going? I have a safe house on the street. I'll keep an eye out for you when you come back. If you say so. So if you think that uh, we're all crazy, then post it on zombiepodcast.com slash forum in the episode discussion thread or in the discussion thread for We're Not Dead podcast, which we have our own section there so you guys can discuss what we talk about here. Um, I didn't hear it. I I will openly admit that I listened to this podcast three, four times, but every time I did it, I was on the subway. So it's impossible for me to hear some of the finer details that go into some of the stuff, like someone brought up the birds chirping in the background, and I had yeah. no idea what the hell they were talking about. So what fucking birds? Yeah. What? Oh, like that goddamn TV. Oh, that high-pitched noise when she, when she, when they were watching the security tape, and you had that oh, the, 60, the, the, 60 hertz of shrill in your ear. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> at, least, what the? At, at least that was gone really quick on, on the bright side of things. Oh, that's... Casey, come on. I, I love your attention to detail, but I think that was one you could have omitted. <laughs> uh, let's see. Next post. Litmaster on Chinway's leadership style. The good. And this is a Litmaster long post, so I apologize. I'm going to uh, run through this as quick as I can. Uh, no doubt she's a masterful planner. She's got uh, bedrooms already stocked. The car's packed. Scooby gear tested out. Damn, if she was my wife, we'd have uh, hung the laundry, ironed and folded, closets organized by size, color, season, cereal boxes, alphabetized. This is truly amazing, but the bad. Uh, she sucks at leadership uh, because she can't trust anyone to do anything. She doesn't have a, uh, direct control over. Uh, she seems to be a wicked micromanager into using people like her pawns. I want this done. I want that done. Controls information and resources in order to hold power over people. Um, the verdict, Chinway could be a great logistics manager, but uh, overall, uh, but not the overall leader of an operation for all intents and purposes. Uh, he also points out that uh, Michael's Tower bonded together, sacrificing themselves and cooperating in order to keep the family alive and together. Uh, CJ was, was assembled individuals who splintered as soon as they were tested. Whether there was a huge defection or 
people that were sent out were taken out by the Maulers and or the zombies, because we really don't know for certain. We have seen smashed up uh, attacked convoys, so... Well, I feel like there was a combination of both. We know the convoy got attacked. Uh, we know yeah. that they lost three people in another attack right when Kalani arrived. But then Sean also mentions there's a bunch of people leaving, which never really happened with our tower. Like, there was, again, Mary and Simon who left when they were given guard duty and a gun and then got just destroyed on their way out. Um, so I don't think that our tower had that problem, but it seems like she had that in spades. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if that's exact. If I'm repeating the exact same thing you just said, and if I did, sorry. No, no, okay. totally cool. Um, and then it, it's still kind of the big question. I assume the Sean that was at the colony is the same Sean that was at the first tower. Presumably. Well, no, not presumably. It definitely is, yes. Uh, because okay. the, um, the only reason that Hope made it to the colony is because Sean brought her there. Ah, so, right. Okay, that's right. So Sean and Sean are the same person. So other okay. tower Sean and Colony Sean, unless there's a really sneaky whatever Casey, you know, quick you know cup game trick, it's it's the same person. Another speculation confirmed by Nick Voodoo. Damn straight. Uh, Hellbringer uh, says, "I wish Victor would have opened up more about the colony to Chinway, but I know that it says Doctor Phil, and he's not talking." Uh, much about that place. Maybe Shinwood will discover his journal and reread it or something. Hey, maybe she found it in his backpack and she'll peruse it while the other two go uh, in, uh, to the suspected Ground Zero site. It's, it's sort of a strange thing because Victor probably knows that Sean is Sean because I think that he knows that where Hope came from, possibly, I'm, and maybe I'm reading way too much into it and have lost my train of thought in terms of being an audience member. Um, but it seems like he made the connection to Sean, eh? When she mentioned the name Sean the first time he heard it. I think he made, yeah. he made the connection, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I don't think Chinway's made it yet. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, that he seemed initially reluctant to talk about the colony. Yeah, it, it seems like he doesn't want to be prompted into accidentally saying something because... If she, when recounting her story and mentions Sean and that backroom interaction that they had when Kalani first arrived, uh, if he caught on to the fact, or if he knew Sean enough to say, hey, I had this really, you know, I had a really cool girl up in LA and I had to leave her because I couldn't find her and she was probably dead. And, you know, he, if he knows that, man, it's got to suck to have that information and tucked in your pocket and go, dude, I know what happened to your boyfriend. And yeah. it's not pretty. Like, he he died in a coup. It wasn't, you know, noble. It wasn't, die, like, it wasn't, you know, Fernando, like, being chased down while trying to escape. It wasn't, like, a blaze of glory. It was, no, dude, you got shot in the back of the head, or however he died, in an attack yeah. that was prompted by, you know, a scuzzy gatekeeper, dude. Uh, Cupcake Zombie says, I can't wait to see what CJ makes of the information about Ground Zero. Notice how she reacted to Victor saying he had never seen any special kinds further south. She was flicking between pages and putting two and two together. I think she knows more about this than she's telling them. If she only knew uh, about the location of Ground Zero, she wouldn't need to f uh, flick between pages. Yeah, she's not showing all her cards. No, no definitely way. not. Yeah. No, she, she knows way, way more than she's letting on to right now. 
And I almost imagine her having some sort of like, almost like uh, in the movies when you see like the war games table that's the map with the little pieces on it. I almost imagine that she's got not only sheets of data, but a bunch of like topographical maps that she's marked up, all that. Yeah, that that would go with her very thorough planning and, you know, again, great planning, poor execution. That, again, seems to be the theme in which she is currently living her life. Uh, Cabbage Patch <coughs> says, Shinwei, Saul, yours is the blue one there, Victor, yellow. So I guess that makes the guy in the chapter image Saul, since he has a blue tank on his back. So yes, the chapter artwork, you are seeing Saul. You also see on the hand that's holding the, uh, what looks like the saw, but it's supposed to be an M16, I guess, is the, um, the pick line, uh, bandage. Mm-hmm. You can see that as well, so, uh, I can't believe we all missed that. I'm not sure we all yeah. missed it, but I noticed it uh, when I was looking. I was like, oh, oh, of course it's Saul. Damn it. That was right there in front of our faces. Uh, so very clever. Very, very <laughs> clever artwork. Um, new member, Jay Hell, to the forum. Welcome, Jay Hell. And with all due respect, yeah, Kalani started some serious sabotage and drama, but how is it different from Saul's Rambo missions that have gone bad? He has lacked serious regard for the group as a whole for his own selfish motives. Kalani had selfish motives as well. His child. It just so happens that Saul's uh, situation is clean up nicer. Just saying, Kalani tried his best to amend his deeds in the end. So that just made Wraith very happy because he hates Saul. And I think part of the thing with that, too, is... We liked Saul before he started screwing up, and everybody pretty much hated Kalani. Yes. Uh, started to like Kalani, Kalani died, and then we found out that he really screwed up, so. Yeah, what do you, just sort of, because I mentioned it last week on uh, Where Not Dead last week, was uh, our, our opinion of what happened with Kalani is really going to be dictated a lot by what the Tower members make of it. What did you guys sort of, like, your overall takeaway from the way they reacted? You know, did it change your opinion of what happened with Kalani? Is it the same? Or is it indifferent? Or what did did your opinion change after hearing Datu and Kelly and Tanya and Michael react to reading the journal? And Pegs. Sorry, she was there too. No. In no way, shape, or form did my opinion change. Uh, I respect what he did and why he did it. Uh, I don't respect his actions, though. Uh, you, you know, these people take you in, they give you shelter, they they nurse you back to health after you're doped by uh, Johnny Pothead over there, and you you set them up. <laughs> oh, Martin! You know, oh, these guys are going to have a party tonight. Come on, you got to you got to come down. Okay, well, you know that's no. I understand. As a father, you know you're going to do anything for your kid, but there comes a time where you can't turn your back on these people that are trying to help you out because who knows maybe had he gone to michael and said listen this is my scenario i was picked up by these guys they kidnapped my daughter he might have took a sympathetic side to it and said okay well we're gonna go try to get lizzie anyway let's keep an eye out for your daughter now there's two people now we really need to mobilize I, I think one of the things, too, that he boxed himself in with is when he first got there and was kind of roaming about, uh, compared to the first tower, which was so secure and so well defended and still fell, I mean, uh, the, the tower that we've come to know and love was kind of slapped together. There was constant bickering. It was so disorganized. 
I can I can understand why Kalani would walk in and say, "Wow, these guys don't stand a snowball's chance in hell." Yeah, definitely. You know, screw this place. It's going to hell in a handbasket. I'm just going to make it happen quicker, and I'm going to get something I want out of it. In the end, I yeah. want my daughter back. So I, I think ultimately <laughs> I'm siding with Michael, though, that it's it's kind of done, and you know, just keep going. Yeah, because again, what what does dwelling on it really accomplish? And in this sort of situation, if you dwell on it, all it does is distract you and, oh, man, something just chomped on my arm while I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, you can get as pissed off as you want. It's not going to change what happened. Yeah. All right. Uh, next post. Sailor Angel 59. I'm going way back to the idea that uh, she's infected, this uh, being Tanya, uh, because she had been around too long since the Randy incident to have not turned, but I can see the side of the argument where Saul is immune to the virus. Maybe his mother is as well. On a different note, I have a feeling that Victor is done for, not <clears throat> uh, done for, just a theory, uh, fear that Victor's oxygen mask tank and equipment is not attached right, which would certainly give us the uh, last dying breath. Uh, chapter title is that uh, someone's yeah. tank is about to eat it. Yeah. No, I think I think that chapter title uh, to deviate just a bit. I think that chapter title's got to do with Kalani. I think. Yeah. Because last last dying breath. That's why he didn't finish it. He's like he realized that he he had written down what he needed to. He realized that he was under attack. It there was no way getting out. He realized Hannah was dead. Okay, I'm gonna take the chopper in. Um. One thing, Encyclopedia Voodoo, I have to ask you. Oh. When Tanya s- said they had someone at the colony that did not turn right away, did she specify how long it took? Mm, I th- think she may have said like a week or something, but I'm not positive off the top of my head. That I would actually so, have to go back and listen to again. So it is feasible that she could be bitten and have just not have turned yet. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah. Well, again, that would depend. Let's see. Um, yeah. If she was attacked from the point that... Oh, no, because Michael... Crap. Michael's, uh, the reason I was saying was Michael's surgery is what, throws it off, is, throw, is what throws the timing off. Because from the point they escape the colony to the point they get to Fort Irwin is only about th- three to four days. Give or take, I think, from the timeline that we've created uh, in the wiki page at the forum. So, like, three to four days from the point they arrive back at the tower, Lizzie's gone, and the whole end of the season arc happens. But uh, that would mean that for... Because Michael was out for almost a week after the surgery, uh, where they rebroke his arm and reset it and all that other good stuff. So, from that point, that almost makes it now two weeks that she hasn't turned if she was bitten... If that if that bandage was a bite, um, yeah. Re- regarding that old wound, but what about uh, during the whole Randy? Incident? During that point, then yeah, that's that's well within the realm of one week time frame. Okay, not to not to shoot my own PTSD theory down, but I like to explore every option. <laughs> one thing I want to ask too, with the last dying breath, is this possibly another double meaning? I, I think certainly it applies to Kalani. But will it possibly apply to somebody else, like Victor or Saul? Yeah, I mean, and that that was um, uh, the point that Sailor Angel Fifty Nine was getting at was, you know, maybe that, you know, that's could very well be Casey playing really well with the word do, doing his wordplay really well. Is that hey, someone is on a breathing apparatus, last dying breath. I want you to go here, but the reality is, I'm talking about Kalani. It could be either or. It could be neither. 
for all I know. Maybe someone else is about to die. Who knows? Casey knows. Bastard. Um, let's see. Forum post that was really long. Matt uh, Gossett, who's a new member as well. Uh, we have a lot of lurkers coming out of the woodwork this week. That's great. Keep coming. We love it. We love new members. Uh, we love discussions. It's great. Uh, woohoo! Woo uh, Matt? Yeah, because we, we need to top the, what was it, 800 users we had for 888. The, uh, 888. Was the yeah. most users ever online, and that was on uh, the live broadcast where it was streamed and everyone was chatting live, and it was amazing amounts of fun. And if you missed it, uh, hopefully we get a chance to do something like that again with another chapter. But, uh, yeah. Join the forum. It's really fun. Lots of good people. You get to talk to people like they call me Revolver and Comrade Narf, and I'm a dick, so you don't want to talk to me anyway. Um, yeah, I rarely talk to, so, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Matt, <laughs> j just ask, man. There are so many people that, that think that I'm the biggest dick on the face of the planet on the forum. Um, and, and trust me, they'll tell you. Uh <laughs> They'll, they'll tell you. Uh, Matt Gossett, uh, for the third time now, says, I've been a lurker on the forums for a while, and everybody usually talks about what I'm about to talk about, but one thing has been bothering. The part where Michael mentions uh, he told Kalani about the red-headed girl and Kalani gets, uh, got upset makes sense, but who is the other Tower member that Scratch says if Hannah is dead? So now we're getting into the semantic argument of does Scratch actually have a second person, or does Scratch have Hannah, or does Scratch have a hair-dyed person Killed Hannah, still has Lizzie and Hannah, if that all makes sense in a row. So, because she says in chapter 24, she's got two hostages. Is the two hostages, is it Hannah and Lizzie? Is it Lizzie and a baby? Is it Lizzie and she's lying? What do you guys think about that? My initial one was Lizzie pregnant. So, yeah. I was with you on that one too. Yeah, we'll make that three. Problem is, is that now I'm not so sure. That was my original thought before we actually learned of Hannah. Like, we knew that, oh, that was my Hannah in the same chapter that she mentions that, but um, I, I, I didn't make the connection fast enough for my own taste to be like, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Hannah's definitely the second person. It didn't really start occurring to me until really recently when someone posted on the forum. was like, no, dude, the second person was Hannah. I was like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. Pers for my own taste, I mean, with, with the whole pregnancy thing during I don't know what was it uh, chapter 18 and the whole furniture store thing that just that seems like a lot of effort to just have it kind of dwindle off and have us forget about it yeah that's true and it's it's hard to say because there's not there's not nearly enough information uh, to figure out if she's actually pregnant we just have those bits and pieces of clues and hints that she puked and she continues to throw up and you know, is she sick? Maybe, you know, uh, Lizzie and Saul had a little bounce a wow wow time, and she's actually infected that way in more ways than one. Um, <clears throat> so, who knows? Um, do you guys have anything else you want to cover? Any other posts from the forum or uh, thoughts you have about the episode or where it's going or anything else you want to mention before we wrap this thing up? Uh, the one thing I, I am kind of iffy about is if Hannah's dead. Um, I, I'm know, definitely with you on that. Coincidentally enough, okay, the one that was shot in the park had red hair. Last I checked, there was more than one person in this world that had red hair. Granted, the population has been dwindled, but there's still got to be some more red-haired people out there. There's, I don't, I'm not buying it. That was too big of a part of the story to just have it 
end that way. That would be the equivalent of Steven having been the rat. It's just kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, oh, really? You mean he, he went off that way, but he was a really integral part of this, this whole thing, but he ended up dying next to nothing? No. Uh-uh. If she was an integral part of the story, like this last chapter has proven, she's still around. She has to be. Yeah, and that's why I had mentioned um, on the, whatever, two, three episodes ago, wouldn't it suck if Kalani did that for no reason? Because he still had a chance to get her back, and he jumped to the conclusion that he was wrong. And he and he would be wrong at that point. Uh, that would suck. That would really, that would really suck. Well, that would teach you kids not to jump to conclusions. It's true, and suicide is a mistake that you can only make once for the rest of your life. So, don't do that either. Um, I think I said that phrase. I, th- I really hope I said that phrase right, because if I did it wrong, man, that's terrible. I really hope that Bees just edits that out, because that... That sounded like a, a really bad public service announcement. No, that that actually is a public service announcement I saw in high school. Was suicide... Uh, oh, no, here's what it is. Here's what it's actually supposed to be, now that I'm actually thinking of it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, please edit uh, Bees, can we get some inspirational music here when Nick goes into this? The, 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 the old theme they used to play on NBC during the Sunday, Saturday morning. The more you know. The more you know. I think that we may have just been sued by NBC for even mentioning the more you know. Um, <laughs> no, the, the, it is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. That's what it was supposed to be. That's what I was trying to get at. That's what I meant to say. And I'm going to now mute my microphone in penance for 10 seconds. So um, talk amongst yourselves about what else you want to talk about in this episode starting now. Okay, Josh, did you have anything else? No, please. You had something. Um, first off, I have to say uh, I'm kind of enjoying having the ads back again. Uh, I don't know why, but like the uh, the uh, Rex Zombie Hunter and what was it? The pest preventive pest control that's been strangely nice. It, the 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 past one rates uh right up there uh with uh reef systems inc with me yeah uh, it's, yeah it's just kind of neat and, you know the guy tries to sound all ominous but it, it's kind of campy and i like it. yeah p.s that's casey oh okay is that oh, i think it, i'm pretty sure it's casey i think that he's done okay. the majority of the um except for obviously michael swan when this just you know obviously michael yeah. swan uh i think that he's done those and i think that's i'm pretty sure that's him but i'm not i'm not positive but i'm pretty sure that that's casey that does those but yeah you know the other really nice thing about having the ads back that means that we're live is starting to get traction with uh, other people because this is a, a nationally broadcast thing and it's still a little local thing so if you are a national advertiser contact we're alive and get your advertising out to millions of people that listen to this podcast okay number two you had another point uh, yeah, the other one uh, I'm kind of interested in seeing. Well, well, it's a two-parter. Uh, first off, I've dubbed this guy Colonel Fancy because I don't know if anybody <laughs> played Offworld Interceptor Extreme. There was a colonel in it. He got dubbed Colonel Fancy, but who the hell is he going to turn out to be? And then are we going to wind up going like the 28 Days Later route with Fort Irwin? Is it going to be inside fighting? Because I'm I'm trying to. We're starting to form the bases for like the the final showdowns. I think in the next season. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out if it's going to be like Fort Irwin versus the Colony or how that's going to play out. If I were to put my money on it right now, my guess is it's the Colony and the Maulers 
and it's the tower and the Ford Irwin people together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how that necessarily comes about, but that's how I think it happens. I really hope it doesn't go 28 days later, simply because one, it's been done before two. Um, mm-hmm. I really want to have a change of pace where it's not because you know we have CJ who is you know kind of a curmudgeonly bitch because she has to protect herself and the colony which you know had the coup and full of dickheads and assholes and you know the maulers who are assholes and convicts and mean and nasty and whatever it'd be really cool to have Fort Irwin be actually like a chill place it'd it'd be a really cool change of pace and like this is as normal as you're gonna get but then something obviously happens because remember there is they did fly over top of that massive horde of zombies Mm -hmm. before they got there so something horrible could happen there that forces them to leave but man i really hope that it it's a change of pace you know what i mean yeah yeah the story might get kind of boring if they're at fort orwin sipping my ties in the desert i don't know it could become a different kind of story at that point it's not a a story of zombie survival it's a, a story of surviving kelly advances And that fell flat. <laughs> uh, if it makes you feel any better, when you, when you mentioned the uh, whole behemoth looking like um, Mr. Hyde from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I, I totally pictured that with you. Thank so. you. That is a much higher note for me to be able to <laughs> to, to end this uh, particular podcast on, because we've gone for a really long time now. Um <laughs> Uh, this is what happens when you let the dude that usually does not talk a lot, talk a lot, and then is yep. in charge of the show. So this is probably never going to happen again, simply because I don't think anyone wants to listen to an hour and ten minute long podcast. At least that's how long it is right now, and I'm sure it's going to get cut up so it's a little bit shorter, but it's still a little bit too long. So let's uh, wrap this up because I also hear my baby screaming, and I should probably you know go attend to that. And- Dude, I hear it all day long. <laughs> Fuck you for oh hate. I was gonna give you a chance to like throw out a Twitter handle so people could follow you, but I'm over hey, it now. That that was that was an indifference, not a baby imitation. But now, yes, they do sound uh, um, sadly. Alive. Okay, let's put a sound effect of Datu in here and let's end this. Um, <laughs> I'm sad that I'm crying. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Homestar Runner. All right, uh, so. If anyone wants to talk to the people you've heard today, you want to talk to Comrade Narf, you want to talk to They Call Me Revolver, go to zombiepodcast.com slash forum. If you send in listener mail, I don't have access to it, so that's why you didn't get it today. Um, so go to uh, email we're not dead podcast at gmail.com. And when Brick gets back, she will start covering all that stuff again. Um, go to zombiepodcast.com. Go to zombiepodcast.com. It's so awesome. Go to zombiepodcast.com. There's a lot more stuff that we talk about on there than just the episode discussion threads. For instance, this week, a uh, popular thread was, does Kalani get a pass for what he did? Um, a theory thread about how Michael might go back, how Michael and the group might get back to L.A. Um, what is the purpose of a zombie virus? So... Lots of things that we talk about that we don't actually talk about on the podcast that uh, are really popular and explode with uh, excitement and popularity around the forum. Go do that. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, Narf, where can they find? Where can the peeps find you on Twitter? Do you have a Twitter? Uh, I typically lurk around at Comrade Narf. Cool. And Revolver, do you have a Twitter handle you want to give out? I do. It is at 
TCM underscore revolver. There you go. And I am obviously at Nick Voodoo. You can follow Beesball as well, but mm, he'll just tell you what it is because I don't really remember what it is off the top of my head. Beesball. There, I left him enough time to do that. And, of course, uh, Britt will be back hopefully next week. So will I. So hopefully another guest. But for now, for Comrade Narf, for They Call Me Revolver, for Bees, if he decided to insert his voice into this podcast, and for myself, we're out. And sorry for the long show. Oh, <laughs>